Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Supra. I'm going to have to make a confession for this episode. I'm afraid of heights. Well, I'm afraid of falling. So skydiving, bungee jumping, just about any jumping is out for me. And I'm not too keen on high speeds either. So extreme sports aren't for me. But for many, and they're growing many, extreme sports are just the ticket. And that's what we're going to focus in this episode. More specifically, the motivations for young adults participating in extreme and other adventure sports. Joining us to discuss this is a very special guest. She's had thousands of citations for her research on consumer behavior and consumption, including the role that risk plays. She's professor of marketing at Georgia Southern University. It's Jackie Eastman. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Jackie and co-authors Matthew Keane and Raj Iyer recently published Predicting Adventure Seeking of Young Adults, The Role of Risk, Innovativeness, and Status Consumption. So Jackie, as I mentioned, um, why young adults want to risk their lives uh, for extreme sports is is well beyond me. But how does this research that you've done with your co-authors help us understand participation in extreme sports? Well, as you know, extreme sports is growing and the literature is clear that the extreme sports athlete is very different than the traditional sports athlete. And the field is very different because it's not so much a spectator sport, but a participant sport. And it's of interest for businesses because people that do this tend to have higher incomes. And I think there was sort of initially this idea that, oh, extreme athletes, it's just all about the risk and the thrills. But when you look at past research, it sort of suggests, no, it's about the challenge and the reward of overcoming the challenge. Risk is just sort of a price to pay. So it's not sort of that typical thrill-seeking. And when you look at some of the work done like by Dr. Self, you know, it's not this idea of thrill-seeking being, I want to go on a roller coaster, or I want to watch horror movies, or any kind of sort of like deviant risk. It's really more about the thrill. And that's what we were trying to figure out with this thrill, with this challenge, since it's not just purely about thrill, what else could be motivating it? So why did you think that was important to to look at this, uh, firstly, extreme sports and and look at this aspect of what's motivating people to participate? Well, how this research came about is that Matthew Keene was my honors student. And so he came to see me and said, I want to do my research project on extreme sports, to which I said, well, that sounds great, except I know nothing about extreme sports. And so then we started talking about what's the angle we could look at it. And I do a lot of research on status consumption, the motivation for status. So then we started talking about, especially when we started looking at the research saying, it's really not just purely the typical thrill seeker that maybe there's a status or a prestige to being able to overcome these challenges. And that may help explain the motivation for doing this. And that's really where it got us started on the research. You use, and and I hope I say this right, risk homeostatus theory. Um, I hope I got that right. 
and when I read that, I thought, yeah, of course it is. Um, it's absolutely obvious. Um, and I absolutely know what that is. Absolutely. But just for those who don't uh, know what the theory is, can you tell us what it is and how it relates to extreme sports? Well, the idea with um, risk homeostasis theory is that everybody has a set level of risk that they're willing to take. And they want to keep that level of risk in balance. And so when we started digging into the literature, you know, the idea that, say, a sports marketer would say, look, we've got this new equipment and it reduces the risk. Well, what they found was that people were just looking for higher level risks. Um, so it sort of backfired this idea of, oh, let's just make things safer and safer because they were reducing the challenge. And so that's why this theory fits because the idea being that everybody has different levels of acceptable risk. And for someone interested in extreme sports, it's at a higher level. So when we were developing our model, that's why we looked at risk aversion. So the idea being that people that are into extreme sports, they're willing to the uncertainty of it. So they're much less risk averse than the typical person. So I can already tell you that my risk homeostasis is quite low. Uh, and my risk aversion is extremely high. So obviously I wasn't some of the people that you were looking at, um, but uh, you did uh, survey a whole a bunch of young adults. And based on the understanding of, of the theory and the literature, what did you expect to find? What were the hypotheses? Well, what we were looking at is we sort of assumed that people that were more risk averse would be less interested in extreme sports, which we found. We also looked at innovativeness with the idea that people that are more innovative in the domain of extreme sports would be more interested in doing extreme sports. And then with status, that was sort of the one where we were thinking it would have a relationship. And, but that was the one where there really wasn't a lot in the literature to guide us. That some of the work by um, Raggiato and Scarpe suggests that there's this self-enhancement aspect with extreme sports. And when you see that with other, with luxury products, there's sort of this self-enhancement aspect to them, which sort of guided us to say, we think that how this is going to work is through this status motivation. And so when you did the survey, what did you find? You said, you mentioned there are a couple of the things were, were, were proven. What were the key findings from, from the results? Well, I think the key findings is that people that are interested in extreme sports, that they are less risk averse. So they're more willing to take risk. They're more innovative. But again, we measure that domain specific to extreme sports because innovativeness is a domain specific construct. So just because you're innovative in extreme sports doesn't mean you're innovative with technology or fashion. It's with extreme sports. And that why, yes, there was a direct effect for status motivation. What really explained a lot more of the variance was status as a partial mediator. That how status worked, it worked through people that were more risk averse, were motivated by status, which impacted their 
extreme sports participation and people that were more innovative were more motivated by status and that worked to impact their status motivation. So when you say, when you talk about innovation and status, just someone is, likes to show that they are, or demonstrates that they are at the cusp, at the cutting edge of, of advancements, technology and those things, and they're going to get status from participating in extreme sport. Exactly. So the idea being that if you ever saw that movie Free Solo, where he was Klein El Capitan, that movie came out when we were working on this research. And when I saw that movie, I thought, this explains all our findings. This explains it. And so the idea being, it was important for him to be one of the, the first to climb El Capitan. If he was the hundredth, he wouldn't have climbed it. He would have found something different to climb. And so I think that's where that innovative, that challenge is. It's not just, oh, this is a personal challenge to me. It's that I'm one of the first to be able to do this. That's why they work so hard to prepare for it. I guess you could see that, uh, you know, free solo for sure. Uh, the climbing of Mount Everest, I assume, would have been yes. a similar uh, psychological motivation. Right. And so, and I think that's really where we can take this research next is that we used um, the adventure behavior scale, but I think we could future research really tailor it and look at it in different subsets of extreme sports. Now, the, the question for all academics, of course, is the theory. What about the theory? How did we advance the theory? So how did this research advance our understanding? Well, I think the idea that People that are less risk averse are more likely to do. That's not a huge jump in the literature. And the innovative, I think it demonstrated it with the, the measurements, but again, that's not a huge jump. Where the huge jump was this idea of status because status hasn't really been examined much in the area of sports. And when you look at status, that it's been done in terms of fashion and with jewelry. But what we're finding just in sort of a side area of looking at status is that people that are into luxury between the downturn of the economy, that people are getting, they don't want to show it as much that this idea of inconspicuous, that they don't want everyone to know about it, just their key group of people, just sort of their, the, the elites in their area. And so the idea being this is a new domain where people can meet their need for status. I guess that grouping is part of their social media feed too. So I'm sure there's a lot of posting on social media about this. Well, that's sort of one of the interesting findings because we measured social media, nothing. And Matthew being Generation Z, he's like, no, this, and he's like, this can't be, and we re-looked at it and we re-examined it. And then, you know, going back to that free solo, he talked about in that movie that he stopped using social media for a period of time because he was preparing. And so it wasn't about, oh, gee, I'm talking about it. And so, which sort of ties in this idea of when you look at status and where I think the future research needs to go, what kind of status is it? I don't think it's a bandwagon type effect that I'm doing this to fit in with people. I think it's more of that inconspicuous where 
I don't need everyone to know, but I do want the elites in my area. And I think the elites in extreme sports is a different group of elites than the elites in yachting or the elites in fashion that they want them to know. How, how did you find that they promoted that, that knowledge of what they did? Was that through, the, through different traditional media or, or different types of media? You mean the extreme athletes? Yeah, yeah. How did they promote? It might have just been word of mouth or, or something like that, I guess. Well, I think the idea is that it's a much smaller segment. Um, I think there is some aspect of it that you see it going into consumer products. But when you look at it, it's more of overcoming a challenge, not a bragging type of approach. It's more of a, I've overcome a personal challenge and that's enhanced me as opposed to look at me, look at me. Uh, as Matthew, I guess, said in your, in your research, that's a, that's a massive surprise, but really interesting as well. Now, from a, a sport organization perspective, let's say that you were given uh, the top role at, uh, at one of the extreme sport organizations. What would you tell them? What would you do? How does this research help them help, help them reach potential uh, consumers? Well, I think the key thing is to focus on the innovativeness and that you can't rest on your laurels. You've got to give them and think of it in terms of challenges. So I think your messaging's got to be, here's this new challenge. Here's this new innovation to help you with this challenge as opposed to talking about reducing risk or safety. You know, obviously safety is important, but in marketing it, I would focus on the challenge aspect that this is something that, you know, few can do, but you can, you know, you can do it with this product um, to touch into that sort of status self-enhancement aspect. I think that's what's going to be key. That balance you, you spoke about there, you know, risk of you know, re- reducing risk, but having the challenge, having the innovation, will that be a difficult aspect for sport organizations to, to get right? I don't think so, because I think really the managing the risk is more sort of an operational, you know, how you manufacture the product. And I think for the marketing, you know, you have it there, but that's not what I would be promoting. I would be promoting the innovation aspect the challenge aspect and how this helps you meet a challenge that few athletes can meet. And from a, a, a competitive aspect, do you think that there's some uh, exploration here for new sports, for new competitive sports to be created? I know in the, you mentioned the, some of it's going into Olympic games and uh, the potential for that to happen. I think there is. And again, I think it's that whole idea of being part of an elite group. And so when you look at it with the Olympics, it makes perfect sense. It's a great fit because Olympic athletes, this is the best of the best. And so I think this is a natural fit. And given the fact that younger people are more interested in extreme sports, obviously, you know, I'm in my 50s. I'm not going to start now. I think this is a way to bring in a younger audience to events like the Olympics. So you, you think introducing surfing, skateboarding, breakdancing has become really controversial. You think that's <laughs> actually a really good move by the Olympic Games? I think bringing in aspects of sort of that outdoor extreme sports, I think 
that could help them generate a new audience. And I think it's going to come down to event by event, which is a better fit and which really fits in with that elite athlete. Jackie, I think that's really fascinating research uh, and plenty for sport organizations to consider. And of course, a, a really new perspective for, for sport research as well. Yeah, I think it, it was really interesting. This was, we had a lot of fun with the study. The journal was fantastic to work with. And I think there's a lot more avenues to approach with this to really sort of look at how does it relate to specific categories of extreme sports and what aspect of status really is what's tying in. And to get inspired, all the researchers can go watch Free Solo, right? Yeah, great movie. Highly recommend it. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jackie. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. At the Sport Management Review website, you'll find all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode, Predicting Adventure Seeking of Young Adults, The Role of Risk, Innovativeness, and Status Consumption, from Volume 23, Issue 5. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more that you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until next time, it's bye for now.